Welcome to Real Estate Agent Superstars. I'm RJ Baxter, your host, and we have a special guest today. We have Scott Rogers, superstar real estate agent from Denver, Colorado. He's with Bungalow Living Brokerage, and he's a native of Denver, and he's been in the business about six years, and he's here to share with us some of his successes and how he's gotten to where he is. So welcome to the show, Scott. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So tell us a little bit more about yourself. You, you've only been in the business since, is it 2017? Yeah, I got licensed the end of 2016. And so basically 2017 is when I really started doing anything. Um, and uh, yeah, so I mean, it's, you know, the market was on the way up at that time. And then it went up even more, you know, like another leg. And it's like, okay. Right. And then it went into the post COVID, which was like, holy cow, you know, so yeah. lots happened in that period of time. And we're obviously in a, in a recalibration here ever since uh, I'll just call it June of 2022, um, into a new era. So, uh, it's been interesting throughout that time. Yeah, absolutely. And you grew up in Colorado. Yeah, I grew up in, uh, basically Southeast Denver and, uh, went to Denver public schools K through 12 and was bussed around at that time. Uh, that was a, the policy, you know, the, the norm. And, uh, so I was bussed, uh, yeah, I was in Southeast Denver, obviously, but also spent time in uh, the Baker neighborhood in elementary school for three years, and then also uh, Cole neighborhood uh, for three years in middle school, and uh, a couple years Southeast, and then high school back in Southeast. So saw a lot of the city there, and my mom owned a business for like 20 years on the west side of Denver, so saw that, you know, more specifically Barnum and, and Ruby Hill. Uh yeah, you know, so I, from a young age, I, I felt pretty connected to, uh, you know, basically all parts of Denver, you know, geographically and socio, socioeconomically yeah. and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, and you have an interesting background um, before real estate, right? And what I mean, tell us a little bit about your journey and how you ended up picking this crazy business for your career. Yeah, right. I, I'm sure there's a lot of agents, and maybe it's a typical path to go to take a long path there, but. I certainly fit that that bucket. I uh, did not come straight in. Um, I mean, I, I sort of did. I I bought my first house, I think, when I was 24 or 25. Um, and uh, so I got into it early in that sense. And my dad was involved as kind of a side, you know, hobby type thing as I was growing up. But um, my first like real job was basically in, in media, um, online media for radio, TV, newspaper. Started in Denver Radio as the webmaster, web director uh, for some radio stations, and then went out to Milwaukee for a few years to be at the corporate level of a, of a company and started working with TV as well and radio. Um, was at the center of growing up like a $4 million a year business over three and a half years. I mean, it was just like light speed. Um, and like it was a 35 radio stations and a dozen TV. So you know, in my late 20s, I was a very entrepreneurial type or entrepreneurial, I guess, technically is the way it was inside a company from mm. the 1880s, I think is their origin. And then at the, oh, wow. okay. at the end of that, uh, we bridged the digital divisions of, of the broadcast and the print divisions. So I got in a newspaper as well with the daily uh, newspaper in Milwaukee. Um, and I mean, that was, that was my world. And um, that's when they were going through their major digital transformation period. So change was just constant. And I was at the center of all that. Um, kind of got, in a way, too sucked in and I think disconnected from the reality of other people. And and I don't know, it was a fast upward 
trek. And so uh, in 2009, just kind of reset everything, um, you know, but came uh-huh. back. I was with Nine News for a little bit uh, going into the, re- the depth of the recession. And I think the same day the Rocky Mountain News shut down after 150 years of being in business, I was let go from Nine News. And, you know, it was kind of like... <laughs> I was their digital sales manager at that time. It's like, why, why am I even coming in anymore? You know, it's like, yeah, no one's spending money if they, if they don't have to. <laughs> so, right. Right. Yeah. I remember those that, times. That was really the, like many people that go through something like that. I mean, that was kind of the beginning of where I'm at now, you know, it opened me up to a new path and, and allowed me to question kind of, you know, the path I had been in and, and, and whatnot. So, but, uh, did some fix and flip, like uh, what, 2012 to 2018, um, mm-hmm. on, on kind of on the side, uh, you know, rehab uh, flips, uh, and then um, got my license probably because of that, you know, so we could list our own flips. But uh, found out that I actually enjoy working with consumers more than than doing the, the the flips on, you know, and so shifted my my focus there to other people. Um, but all that experience has served me has served me well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what what led to your decision to become a full fledged realtor? Um, partly, I feel like I had the pieces in place to to make it work, and so in the beginning, it was kind of like, well, why not? And um, but as I started interacting with people and and getting more into it, I saw that I liked it. Um, I saw that all sorts of little experiences throughout my life were actually relevant in a new context. You know, I, I could apply them and mm-hmm. uh, whether it's knowledge about neighborhoods or the trend of Denver and Denver's story and, you know, helping people move from out of state in, into the Denver area and help them understand that some of the nuances um, and, and find that, you know, that right neighborhood, that right place, the right house, whatever, whatever's, you know, right for them um, kind of help connect them in and, uh, you know, and then I don't know. I mean, working for yourself is is nice, but it's it can get a little bit lonely. You know, when you're doing things for people, it right. feels a little better. You know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. There's a positive vibe there to it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I tend to think in terms of I'm helping people achieve the result they're looking for. Um, like my brand is the peak results is is something I use, and uh, just trying to whatever people want to do, I'm trying to help them get there. Nice. Nice. So did you have success right out of the gates or did it take you a little while to figure out how to be successful in the business? Yeah, no, I'd say I was slow. You know, I had some success, but, but it, uh, I was following a model and, and, and doing, you know, following scripts and doing things going through the motions. Um, but what I eventually realized was I was basically operating in a way that was not kind of true to myself. Um, I'm more, analytical you know i'm more like i'll think deeper and sometimes more broadly and i'll just kind of sit with stuff a little bit longer and i'm not as polished as as a lot of agents um and if we do like a disc analysis type thing i'm different you know i don't there's Mm -hmm. like a high d a high i i think is very typical for the the typical agent it means they're driven and they want to interact with other people right and those Mm -hmm. are very good qualities uh as an agent and and I'm actually fine being you know more like away from people more often you know and 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 not yeah. as connected and so um, but I get into detail in a way that that others either don't want to or maybe they can't I don't know it's, I think it's a matter of preference but you know it's more natural for me um, so 
what I discovered was I was basically showing up on phone calls with people just not, not as myself, you know, um, it was like mm-hmm. me reading the script and even if it sounded right, it wasn't like right in me. And so I think they can pick up on that and know that people can pick up on that, you know, when yeah, you're not yeah. being yourself. And so I kind of took a step back from that and, and went off on my own. Like I like first 18 months, I was on a, a good team at, at Keller Williams integrity and Shade Creek, um, uh, learned a lot, good people, everything was right. I just, it wasn't the right fit at that time, you know, for me mm-hmm. and moved over to EXP. I was there like four years and, uh, and it allowed me to kind of tailor to, to me more and learn more about who I am as an agent and some of the uniqueness, unique value that I can bring a client. Uh, sometimes if you're different from somebody that might feel bad, you know, but what you also have to do is discover the the other piece of that. Like, where's the, if you don't have something, what do you have? And so, you know, a lot right. of time to discover those other things that I do have and, and figure out how to tailor them, you know, for other people. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I agree with that. I mean, it, it's so important in this business to be genuine and authentic and be who you are. And that's going to appeal to some people and not to others. So it just is how it is. Even if you were the person that would plug into the systems and use the scripts and all that kind of stuff that might appeal to some people as far as their personality, but it, but for others, it wouldn't. So I think that's a great epiphany that you had early on there. Yeah. I think if I would have done more to really internalize it, um, I could have made in hindsight, I could have made that work better. Um, but, uh, anyway, you know, that's kind of the yeah. path. It's the way it turned out. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So you've, <clears throat> from my understanding, you've taken your sort of your analytical nature and, and that approach into how you look at listings for clients, look at, you know, do your, uh, marketing packages and that kind of stuff. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. So like if I'm working with, um, a seller, for example, somebody selling a house in Denver. Um, I don't really take a candid approach. I just try to get to know them, what they're interested in doing. You know, mm-hmm. so on one hand, it's it's what's the end goal here? Um, what do they think they want to do? And I may ask questions to help sort of test that a little bit to see how strong that conviction is. And if they haven't, you know, if they've thought about some other things. Um, but I mean, when I'm interacting with anybody, that's kind of what I do just to see how solid it is um, just mm-hmm. to help other people discover what's maybe the best for them. Um, not like I'm trying to quiz anybody or anything like that, you know, Right, right. but uh, just trying to help them find the, the best path for themselves. And, and, uh, and I anchor into that piece, you know, it's like, where are we going? Okay. I anchor into that. And then in conversations, interactions and observations, I, I pick up on a lot of little pieces and, and then I start to assemble those in my head and and then uh, put together a strategy that that works. And I like giving people options, you know, so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, like when you're selling a house, do you want the most money or do you want to sell the most conveniently or or the fastest or what's your what's your what's your priority here? Most people often say the most money. And it's like, OK, cool. All right. Well, then we calibrate around that. And or if they don't, then it's like, OK, well, here are some options. Um, mm-hmm. And the disclosure disclaimer you know that fast and convenient is not going to yield the highest amount of money so be right right you can't have can't have all three of those things at the same time yeah i mean what's the old business thing like like fast quality and uh and cheap price i think 
and it's like pick two you can't pick all three right so you can have totally. something maybe fast and high quality that costs a fortune you can have something that's cheap um low quality maybe and faster mm-hmm. anyway <laughs> yeah right yeah yeah i've heard that before um yeah in other businesses and in real estate yeah, yeah so. it's more of a general business you know yeah so, yeah so you don't have a, a canned presentation do you have a certain uh series of questions you ask people how do you dive into the sure. you know to really get to the root of what they're looking for yeah absolutely so i mean i just you know, from the very beginning, it's a conversation. And then I do have a, you know, a little bit of a presentation I go through to help them just ramp up into who I am and, and how to think, you know, like where the current market's at and, and things like that. Um, that's the foundation piece. But then it's, it's really, it really gets into who are they, what do they want to do and the specifics around the, the property. And, and, mm-hmm. you know, I try to think ahead and do I see anything that might be an issue at some point before we close and I try to bubble that up ahead of time early on so that we can have a conversation about it. Um, I think I learned the hard way early on that I doing that uh, also makes you as an agent less marketable, marketable than uh, mm. the other guy who's coming in, you know, smooth and fresh and everything and is just boxing <laughs> with everything. And then people learn all those hard facts after they sign on with an agent. Right, and, right. And, and so I'm much more willing to bring that stuff forward and just be real about everything. And I tell them, you know, if, right. if you ever don't like something I'm doing, or if you have questions, like, like speak your thoughts, don't hold it back. It's not about making me feel good. You know, we're on a, a journey here and we're going to get you to your destination. And that's what it's all about. So, you know, I work for you, your you know, client and um, we'll ebb and flow accordingly. But uh, yeah. So I, yeah. I know I've lost some deals because of that. <laughs> you know, talk about things. I, you know, I, I bet on the, on the flip side though, you've won some deals that way too. Oh, well probably. And I have a very good ratio. I don't know what it is exactly, but very good ratio of, I mean, once I'm, once I'm in a deal, whether it's, I have a client or whether my client has uh, accepted or made an offer and they're under contract because of that, because, you know, they close, like it's, it goes all the way through and it's, it's more effortless all the way through. So yeah, yeah that makes that's, sense. Uh, that's kind of the justification in my mind is, you know, I think just in terms of treating people fairly, I think it's right to, to bring some stuff up, you know, and, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so they can actually think about it and have some say in, into it. It's not just about a commission, you know, it's not just, um, Absolutely. Just about it's, it's about the whole, the whole piece, the whole process. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of people or most people appreciate that authenticity. And then there's not those curveballs through the transaction where they could potentially get unhappy with you and go somewhere else. Yeah. I try to minimize all those curveballs as much as I can, you know, to say like, you know, here's a hypothetical, this could happen. This could happen. If we do this, this could happen. And so they at least have some basis to be thinking about those things. Yeah. Yeah. So Tell me a little bit more about what what you've done to bring in so much business. I, I I think you told me that you have been working with some institutional investors. Yeah, yeah. Last year got interesting. Um, I I um, I got in conversation with a company that uh, basically property management uh, company that is very much a technology company, uh, mm-hmm. and it's like the merger of the of the two. 
and they have capital partners, large investors, um, like private equity or a fund or you know something like that. Um, this is more than just a few houses. This is like dozens of houses uh, mm-hmm. in terms of scale and and likely multiple cities, uh, multiple markets around the country. Um, and so I signed on with them and and essentially worked for one of their their clients and uh, we bought up dozens of houses last year. Uh, I think all but two were in Denver. A couple in Lakewood, but so I got to know the Denver market incredibly well during, I think the the most competitive market we've ever had. Um, yeah. Like in, in May of 2022, I think we had 22 closings. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it was just bonkers, right? I mean, that's like, wait, what? <laughs> so Jeez. Yeah. That's like, yeah, a year or multiple years for for most people. Now, yeah. of course, just got to preface it: the whole commission is not coming to me, right? It was a, you know, right, so, right. It's not a, a typical deal. So otherwise, you know, I didn't make yeah. over 1.5 million. <laughs> you know, <laughs> right? Yeah. But, but and, you know, I did fine. But you know, having uh, that kind of experience uh, is is kind of usable forever in in some way. Um, yeah, yeah. Just doing a lot of transactions has to be valuable. Yeah, I think we closed. I think it was like 56 or so with them. And uh, wow. Last year. And yeah. And it and so I was I mean so I was on the buy side at that time and through all that and I mean I was testing all sorts of things like um, how I approach listing agents and and also working on my side and how to you know, I was very committed to keeping a deal together once it's under contract and um, I mean it's just painful when when you have to terminate and you do what your client tells you to do really in that respect but mm-hmm. you know there's things that I can do to, to mitigate the the risk. For everybody, and and so I feel like I really honed that piece. Um, we were, well, I don't want to get into too much specific information, but you know, like we, I don't, know, I had a big impact. I know on 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 being able to do high volume and not have many terminations at all. Yeah, so yeah, that felt good because um, I know for the sellers, sure. it's a huge deal for them if you terminate, and I I echo that frequently on my on the buy side internally with our, our conversations but uh, yeah, we find yeah. pretty well but there you know i got i was able to be much more analytical and more kind of business to business straight straightforward and that presentation aspect that you kind of uh fall into um you know when, when working with consumers and more of a retail situation uh retail market um i enjoyed you know, just kind of getting straight to the point and building some efficiencies around that and uh, helping them understand the city and the nuances of all sorts of things that um, sometimes were learned later on. I try to, again, bring all that forward as much as we could to help mitigate risk. And and mm-hmm. if we offer on something, it's something we want to stay with and, and see it all the way through. And um, But uh, yeah, yeah. They, yeah. That's interesting. So how did you make that connection or how did you find them? Um, you know, I think it started online and um, they were kind of looking for some people and I was looking, it was at a time I was looking to make a change and I was trying to figure out, you know, which way do I want to go? And we connected that way. Um, and then the market, I thought I was in a good spot, you know, considering the market slowdown of last year. Um, and, and then it actually slowed down for me too and and they basically stopped buying for a period of time and so we 
kind of parted ways for about a month or so, a couple months, and and I just came back. Um, and uh, so now I'm the managing broker for them in in Colorado. And um, right now it's just, it's just me. It's not like we're building up a huge team of of agents, but um, you know, so I'm back on with the brokerage and and getting prepped, you know, ready to go processes and whatnot in case they have a buyer that that wants to go out and buy multiple properties, most likely, you know, it's usually right, right. It's, yeah, it's, so, so they represent individual people that want to buy multiple properties. Is that what you mean? Or the institutions well, buying the properties? Well, both. I mean, they have represented individual, like somebody who wants to be a landlord, but doesn't want to, uh, or an investor, you know, but doesn't want to mm-hmm. have to be the property management, you know, side of it. Um, that's what they've done in the past is uh, service a property manager and then help them buy it. Um, but then that morphed into this, this, uh, you know, working with, with capital partners where it's, it's generally speaking a lot of money and, and dozens okay. of you know, multiple deals and probably multiple cities. Um, so I know there's a lot of opinions about that. Um, I mean, I feel like having a long, deep connection to Denver uh, you know, I, if anything, I can be an advocate for that. And I have been an advocate, you know, for, I think for people in Denver and neighborhoods and, and whatnot, and trying to raise the quality of, of that. And it's not all numbers. It's like real people, you know, that you're affecting. And mm-hmm. it's, it's, that's part of what my voice has been. Um, but, uh, you know, markets evolve and the reality is there's Absolutely. some big money. I mean, this happened back leading into 2008, you know, where uh, buying up mortgage-backed securities was a big thing. Uh, Why? Because people don't move that often, right? So if the average person, let's just say, moves every eight years, and if the average person has a mortgage, then they're making that payment every single month for, let's say, those eight years, right? If you're an Mm -hmm. investor, that's a very attractive thing. You know, it's not like the stock market that goes up and down. You're going to on average, I mean, the bulk of it, you're going to have a payment. And if you assume build into your models, a certain amount of delinquency and defaults and all that, uh, that's where things went haywire in 2008 was those models were way off and, and right. the rating agencies. I mean, we can go into that, you know, a great deal, but that the, let's just call that a rabbit hole for now. <laughs> you know. But, <laughs> right. but uh, anyway, so, um, so there's a lot of investors and, and I mean, this could be people with 401ks, you know, this could be teachers who are part of a, a te- like maybe like a California teachers union or somebody like that who's who's investing with with large funds um, and and whatnot. And so it's like retirement, you know, money. Mm-hmm. Um, everything comes back at some point, you know, nothing's on its own. Everything, everything connects with everything at some point. So, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so, you know. So what are your thoughts on where the market's going? It's January 2023, when we're recording this, what do you think yeah. is, is in store for us this year? I think we're going to see slowness. Slow is an up or down. It's just slow versus fast. And so last year was fast um, and intense. And I use the phrase combat by contract at times to describe mm-hmm. the market, you know? Yeah. I mean, it was, it was just grueling. And, um, and that's just not good for anybody. Uh, you know, people need time to think this stuff through. So the speed isn't good. Um, the, 
I don't know, maybe people are using cash when maybe it's not the best thing for them or, or not. I don't know. But um, it's also if you have a house and you want to sell it and move, you know, whatever, a few miles away or somewhere in the metro and not out of state or somewhere, then um, kind of how you sell and buy, you're in the same boat, you know, the same ocean, the same, yeah. lake, whatever, and, you know, what you gain on one side, you're then going to face on the other side of the equation. And it's been hard for, for folks like that because of, of the intensity. Um, and so I think the intensity, mm-hmm. I think we're going to see unwinding of that intensity. Uh, hopefully that'll be appreciated on, uh, by everybody. Um, and, uh, and we'll get back to in a way quality. I think, uh, people having a, mm-hmm. you know, less buyer's remorse, um, less, if a, if a deal falls out for a seller, less disruption for their world, more ability to go buy a house with your own, you know, contingency in the offer and not be sort of a second rate, you know, offer compared to yeah. cash offers or something have, have more ability to to get the house you want with that type of an offer. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a decline. Um, I mean, with slowness, you tend to see a decline, but the fundamentals in Denver are good. Uh, in Colorado, they're good. Uh, they're very mm-hmm. good. And the story that has attracted people here for decades, um, you know, that attracted my parents here in the seventies and, and it, kept me here and and I mean I've traveled the world and been all sorts of I could have ended up in you know all sorts of places and so I I feel like I rechose Denver many times throughout my life yeah um, but uh you know that's not going anywhere and um you know I I think the trend of people leaving probably the New York cities and the San Francisco's and LA's and the Chicago's or someplace that's probably going to continue um the more our world becomes virtual and whatnot. And, and so Denver compared to those markets looks good. Now within Denver, people will leave the center core and move out as well. So it's kind of this flow just depends on where people are at and, and where they go. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm wa- one thing I'm watching is the, the, the rate of people moving in versus out because people, more people moving in than moving out is something that's driven our, our market. Um, we've had mm-hmm. a lack of supply um because that demand has been high by from people moving in so Mm -hmm. we see you know net migration basically flow outward instead of inward that would ease up the market uh, relax it probably bring some prices down a bit um but i feel like this is all from a long term and you have to think long term with real estate it's all just um any bumps are temporary it's a scarce asset it's, you know, it's rooted in scarcity and those fundamentals you can't go against, you know, I mean, yeah, the Fed, you know, we could print more money and all this stuff, but, you know, I think it's tell the population growth stops and, you know, population growth stopped. And if, if people stopped buying second homes and stopped having like split families or, you know, divorce mm-hmm. or whatnot, um, and if we started balancing the budget and not running up debt or anything and infusing, you know, sense credit in the market and, or you know, money supply into the market, I mean, all those things would have to happen, I think, for the real estate, the long term trends of real estate to, to turn. And none of that's going to happen. You know, I, yeah, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I, I mean, agree. Some, what? some things will fluctuate, but yeah, the pain to accomplish that is just massive so it won't totally happen. totally and and will the government allow us to endure that 
is the yeah, question. Well, all the politicians would be voted out. And I mean, there'd be massive change, um, you yeah. know, and so they'd be voted out because of the change and the pain of that change. And yeah, absolutely. So, you know, it's kind of the, I think the reality we're in, there's some moral hazard there from a, you know, they yeah, used to sit yeah. back in 2008 when they were bailing everybody out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> bailing out capitalism, right? No, anyway. Well, <laughs> one thing's for sure. It could get interesting this year. It, it, I, it, I expect to be surprised. I'm not sure what, in what way, you know, it, yeah. it could become much more positive or hopefully not, you know, a lot more negative. We'll, we'll see, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know that we'll see interest rates above seven mortgage rates above seven though. Much, much I don't above, think so. You know, I think we, we kind of saw the high, the high watermark. The question now I think is probably it is more your area, but duration of the rate and specifically where it's at. Um, but I think the shock wave was last year, you know, going from one extreme to the other. Yes. This year, I think will be everything in between uh, somewhere in there. Um, now, yeah. what happens with pricing? I, I don't know. You know, there's a case to be said in the, in the action. What happens with the real economy and jobs and employment? You know, once once employment and wages and people's ability to pay, once that is affected, then. Yeah, then, then all bets are off. Yeah. At that point. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's Absolutely. something like, you know, and the Fed's trying to curtail that right now. So we'll see. Soft landing, hard landing. I don't know where we'll end up, but yeah, I think it's an agent will have more ability to have time with our clients, not mm-hmm. feel rushed, and not have to think about as much as like, okay, how do we do this in such a way that they don't feel major buyer's remorse um, on one end, but also they just lose out on everything on the other end. You know, there was a finesse yeah. there where trying to find that middle ground and. and and I think everybody was outside their comfort zone last year. I don't care where where you were in it. You know, it was not normal. Yeah, it yeah. Was not sustainable, or it was just everywhere across the map. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, well, there's one more thing I wanted to ask you about before we wrap up, and that's you. You have this uh, unique thing you do at closings. You call it kilted closings, and you wear a kilt yeah. to the closing. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> tell me about that. Yeah, so I say uh, every home deserves a kilted closing, right? It's kind of a tipping of the hat to re- you know respect for uh, the client and what they're wanting to achieve. Um, it's also fun, you know, and it it's a mm-hmm. it illustrates part of my heritage. So I've got a Scottish heritage, and uh, I've been to Scotland a few times. Uh, my wife and I were married there, and uh, my dad plays the bagpipes. I I started to and. It's not an easy, it's not a friendly thing to, to play. It's like you're either don't do it or you're you're reasonably good at it. You know, and there's and the middle <laughs> so you don't, is you don't pull agony. out the bagpipes at closings. No, yeah, because that would be <laughs> agony. But you know, usually it's kind of I mean, how often do people buy or sell a house, right? I mean, that's it's not very often. Yeah. And it's becoming more often, but um some people will go two decades or more and not have a real estate transaction. And mm-hmm. um and so, you know, it helps me kind of anchor into that idea that, hey, this is pretty special for my client and kind of keeps me grounded in that sense. And then it's just festive. It's fun at the closing table. And it's always a conversation piece. And I mean, I had, you know, sometimes if a deal is tough or something, I, I, you know, I had a, a deal one time where um, 
I was concerned that personalities might kill the deal. We may not see it all the way through closing. It wasn't because of co- anything contractual or, or financial. It was, it was just kind of the way the, I don't know, just unique things on on both sides. And, mm-hmm. and I discovered kind of early on that wearing a kilt actually lifts everybody up in their spirits and keeps them focused a little bit better yeah. on what they've already agreed to do. And and it, I think it, in that situation, it kind of curtailed. I think maybe some potential surprises um, and uh, uh, kept everyone kind of focused on the, what's important, you know, and um, not going down a rabbit hole or something, you know, that anyway, mm-hmm. so that was kind of early on after I started doing it and I'm like, okay, this actually has some real value to it. So yeah, <laughs> I've, kept, I've kept doing it. Um, I've had times that... where I forget my jacket, you know, I'm like, Oh, geez, you know, or <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is yeah. your wife Scottish too? No, no, no. The, uh, oh, okay, okay. She's more on the Norwegian side. I, that's another side for me. It would be Norwegian too, and I think she has some German too. But uh, anyway, yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, that's really cool. I think anything you can do that makes you unique and different from other agents is valuable. Yeah. So that's really neat. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's fun. It feels authentic, uniquely authentic to me. So. Yeah, that's cool. Well, I think there's a million things more we could talk about, but it's time to wrap it up. So. Uh, thank you so much for being on, Scott. We definitely appreciate you sharing your wisdom and knowledge and insights. And um, once again, my name is RJ Baxter. I'm with Intercap Lending. And if you found value in this show, please share it to a friend, to a coworker. If you think you, they could also get value from this, that helps to spread the word about the show. And I wanted to remind you that something I do as a lender is I believe in giving back to the agents that I work with. So if you'd like to talk about that, just reach out to me. I'd be happy to have a conversation with you about that. And uh, thanks again, Scott. Yeah, thanks for reaching out, RJ. I appreciate you know the chance to to be here with you. Absolutely. Okay, everybody, have a great day, and thanks again for listening. All right, take care.